We're investigating obscene phone calls and mail threats to a certain Mrs. Uh, Dottie Hinkle. I should warn you, this note contains uh, language. Officers, I have never even said the P word out loud, let alone I've written it down. No woman would. Life doesn't have to be ugly. See, look at the birds out there. Listen to their call. Wee, 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 wee. Oh, detectives, I hear something you should be interested in. A grown boy who doesn't wear his seatbelt. Hello? Is this the cocksucker residence? God damn you, stop calling here. Isn't this 4215 pussy way? You bitch! Now let me check the zip code. 212, fuck you! The police are tracing this call this very minute. Well, Dottie Hinkle, then why aren't they here, huh? Fuck face, fuck you! <laughs> now just say fuck you. I beg your pardon. Who is this? Mrs. Wilson from the telephone company. I understand you're having problems with an obscene phone caller. Yes, I am. I'm sorry, Mrs. Wilson, but this is driving me crazy. I've had my number changed twice already. I'm a divorced woman. Please help me. What exactly does this sick individual say to you? I can't say the words out loud. I don't use bad language. Oh, well, I know it's difficult, but we need to know the exact words. I'll try. Cocksucker, that's what she calls me. Listen to you, filthy mouth, you fucking whore! God damn you! I don't know what it is about today, but I feel great. Cookie? There is one big problem, though. What is it? His unhealthy obsession with sick horror films. Oh, no. Chip's assistant manager at a video store. Oh, that's no excuse for a morbid imagination. Tell me, did Chip torture animals when he was young? No, he did not. Mr. Stubbins, we are a loving and supportive family. You're doing something wrong, Mrs. Stubbins. Mr. Paul Stubbins was 38 years old. Whoever did this should get the death penalty. You're bigger than Freddy and Jason now. Only you're a real person. Do you think I need a lawyer? <laughs> you need an agent. <laughs> an agent. Oh, honey, you're hot tonight. Oh, yeah. Quiet. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, get it. Honey, I'm ready. Oh. No. Oh. Leave that goddamn litter bugger. Oh, I have told her and told her. It takes 90 to 100 years for a tin can to decompose, and she still won't recycle. I hate Mrs. Ackerman. I hate her too. I hate her guts. Misty, honey, what's wrong? I'm stood up. I'll kill that bastard. There she is. Henrietta Lee Lucas. Joan Wayne Gacy. You face in the deck of serial killer trading cards. Find her guilty on all six counts of first degree murder. Look at me. I am as normal as all of you, but I have been framed by the police and perjured against by the very people I thought were my friends. Nightmare on Calverton, of course. The Maryland teacher massacre. <laughs> it's not funny, son. Did you drive your car to the PTA meeting yesterday, Mr. Sir? 
Department of Motor Vehicles computer shows only one blue station wagon registered to a parent of any of Mr. Stubbins' pupils. Surely you don't think that Beverly was involved in this? She did it. Aimed the car right at Mr. Stubbins and mowed him down. Carl stood me up this morning and then he was murdered at the flea market. Murdered? Yes, murdered. You said you hated your teacher yesterday and he was murdered too. Look, I don't know. Maybe Mom's nuts. It's a cool idea, Misty. Hey, let's make a gore movie about Mom. Better get a TV series. <laughs> Pussy, that's what she said to me. Pussy Willow. Miss Jensen, I've told you, you have to rewind the tapes before returning them. Why? Because it's the rules. I don't feel like rewinding. See that sign? It's a dollar fine for not rewinding, and this time I'm going to charge you. $2.99 plus $1 is $3.99. Keep the change, you son of a psycho. This is Hinkle. Are you insane? No, I'm not, you motherfucker! Mrs. Hinkle, I find you guilty of contempt, and I sentence you to a thousand dollar fine and five days in jail. Fucker! Sucker! You lousy pig fucker! You bitch! You ugly whore! Hi, this is Lara Park Lincoln from Friday the 13th, Part 7, and you're listening to. The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues on this fine sunny day. I can hear birds tweeting outside. So, um, yes, we are covering what perhaps some people arguably might say is a strange pick for a slasher movie podcast, but we probably argue, uh, no, it's not. We'll make the case for it. Um, Serial Mom, uh, John Waters' Serial Mom from 1994. Um, Nathan, this was your pick, wasn't it? It was. Can I you... just, uh, I know it's tenuous, but I don't know. It's one of those movies that I just feel like we need to cover. Indeed. But you're not going to say the brown word, though, are you? Well, you know how I hate the brown word. Well, exactly. So, um, well, we'll see if it, you, you manage to slip that into conversation a little bit later. But uh, thank you. Now, did you just fall off your chair? No, that's the cat. <laughs> I should know by now. She so. wants attention. Yes. And I'm like, why do you always need attention when I'm doing the podcast? <laughs> well, she's a, she's the fifth member, isn't she? Yes. So, so, um, and Joseph, uh, thank you for that intro. Wow. That was quite some epic. So that has put us in the mood. Um, uh, did you have fun doing that? Uh, I'm just going to wait for Nathan to corral his, his pussy. <laughs> I have tried. She just keeps jumping up on the back of my chair. <laughs> I can't believe you said the P word, oh, Joseph. Yeah, I can't either. I'm usually so restrained and reserved. <laughs> it is true. It is true. But uh, a good job on that. And uh, Eric, do you recycle? I do recycle, Justin, of course. And I also wash my recycling before I put it in the bin. What a good citizen you are. I am. So Serial Mom wouldn't be coming after you? No, hopefully not. So, but yes, we are covering Serial Mom today. So this is our first John Waters movie, isn't it? It's the only one that really kind of you could arguably fits within the slasher wheelhouse. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll discuss that more. But before we do, uh, obviously, as usual, um, uh, we'd have a quick chat about what we've been watching recently. So uh, Nathan, have you seen anything you would like to tell us about? Um, I watched uh, The Mortuary Collection, mm. which was one that you recommended, Justin. Yes. Um, it's a really fun anthology. Um, uh, the story about um, the frat guy, um, I, it, it definitely went in directions I didn't expect. Mm. Um, I don't want to say too much because I'm afraid I'm going to give stuff away because it's, 
you know, it's got its fair share of little twists and turns and, and, and everything. Um, but you know, I, I just thought it was a lot of fun. Didn't take itself too seriously. Um, you know, definitely a recommend, um, the babysitter story was fantastic. Um, that, that was probably the, one of the highlights, uh, in a, in a really good film. And from where did you catch this film, Nathan? I think it may be on Amazon through Shudder. It's on Shudder. You can, I don't know if you can, uh, that's how I get it to how I saw it is on Shudder, but, um, I'm sure you can, you probably can purchase it, uh, uh, outside of that. What are you insinuating there, Justin? <laughs> no, I'm saying you can probably purchase it without purchasing <laughs> Shudder, as in like you can purchase it on its own mm. as an individual movie, mm. Joseph. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, Nathan. I thought it was a fun little movie. So, uh, excellent. Have you, anything else you've been watching? Um, the only other stuff I've been watching is stuff that, you know, we've already discussed, like Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Ballorama. Justin's favorite movie to speak about um because he, he loves that one i know i do yes yeah, so i won't say the name i don't want to jinx myself yeah mm. so well okay well thank you nathan um eric how about you uh haven't really had a chance to watch much we are doing our top three for 1973 later today so i was watching those uh, i did catch up with a few of the extras on the new friday the 13th box set um some of the commentary tracks there's one in part two with uh russell todd bill randolph i think lauren marie taylor and Kristen baker are on it which was quite good. Uh, and then in part five, there was a commentary with Melanie Kinneman, Debbie Sue Voorhees, and Tiffany Helm, uh, moderated by Peter Brackey, the author of Crystal Lake Memories, and that was kind of fun. There's also a, uh, a fan commentary with Adam Green, and I can't remember the other person's name, but it was done for uh, a Patreon um commentary thing they were doing back in 2018 so uh it wasn't as engaging a listen i mean they're enthusiastic about the film um but they don't really have anything much to say i mean they're uh, this is rich coming from us but they're kind of childish um but it, it's, it's kind of a fun listen i suppose they have one on on part six as well but they have tom mclaughlin with them the director so that promises to be uh, a bit more interesting i think it's but, the uh, filmmakers yeah. like adam green and joe something like that's uh, it yeah those yeah. two yeah because yeah. yeah, they did a commentary track for part four uh on the previous box set which was quite good to listen to but this one i didn't find as engaging um uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm making my way through all the bountiful extras on the box set, finally, after owning it for over a month. I so. just want to do a commentary for part five. That's all I ask. Yeah, well, there's three on this one, so we could add a fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe one day we can do a, a, a fan one that we can put out as an extra mm. when we have a spare couple of hours. But uh, okay, well, I still need to uh, dig my way through them. Have you, have you sent off your replacement discs? I have, yeah. I haven't done that yet. I need to do that. So, yeah, it doesn't really because I don't have a three D television. That um, it doesn't really bother me because that's the only other two issues were, you know, a slight missing piece of a broken wrist in Jason Goes to Hell and a sound effect missing in Jason X. So they don't, none of them really affect me in any way. The replacement discs. So okay, right. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, Joseph, how about you? Yeah, the only thing I've watched is something I really can't talk about much, that much because I I may pick it for the show. But I rewatched the 1982 slasher film Deadly Games, uh, the one with um, Steve Railsback and about the the movie theater. Uh, 
it's this is one I really hope gets cleaned up because it's a it's a very curious and strange little charmer I thought this time around um I'd seen it a long time ago and I, I didn't think much of it, but um, yeah, I really, I had, I had some, I have some interesting things to say about it, so I may end up picking it very soon. But that's all I've watched this uh, for this show. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that's one I'd like to. It'd be um, interesting to revisit because I've only seen. I used to have the uh, the VHS of it, and I think that's the only way I've seen it. And it's um. Yeah, as far as I know, that's that's the only re- release it's ever had is the VHS, and it's a very dark print. Yeah, well, we've seen, haven't we, sort of, um, you know, with like a film like Island of Blood, um, aka Who Done It, that when you actually get a, a cleaned up print, you can actually see what's going on in nighttime scenes. It really does, you know, help the film. So, um, yeah, that sounds like one that uh, a bit of an enigma. So, uh, yeah, okay. Well, well, thank you. Um, uh, I've seen a few bits and pieces. Uh, they um, I, again, I were not being paid by Shudder, but I've been working my way through some of the back catalogue on there. Um, and one that caught my eye was a film from 2018 um, called Party High, A Party Hard Die Young, which was an Austrian slasher movie um, about a group of students partying on a Croatian island um, and then being bumped off one by one. Uh, so I didn't exactly have high hopes for this one, but I thought I'd give it a go because it, it sounded like it was, you know, kind of fairly run in the mill sort of teen slasher, but like kind of an updating of the kind of the I know what you did last summer kind of trope of or well the even earlier that the early 80s slasher trope of um a past misdeed being punished um uh but it i didn't really like this one it's quite it looks good it's um professionally done um but uh it's been dubbed in that kind of they, they i think there are two versions on i watched the dubbed version in english because uh, i was actually doing some work while i was watching it so rather than the original um, austrian language one um but it's kind of dubbed in that kind of slightly euro trash kind of way um but not in a not in a hugely comical way but just not particularly well done but also the cast aren't particularly likable the characters aren't aren't that relatable or nice um and there's a big streak of well not a big streak but there's a there's a streak of homophobia running through it which kind of you know did exactly ingratiate it to to me but it was it's an okay kind of time waster but um not one that i would necessarily recommend unless you're you really have nothing else to watch so is that one or you're homophobic or you're homophobic yes and you uh homophobic um austrian frat boys uh sort of uh, calling each other fags so um yeah it's not my that wasn't uh much good the other one i watched which wasn't again i didn't really care for that much was um uh sadako versus kayako um if i'm saying it's pr- pronouncing those right which is the the long awaited or way back when um uh, kind of uh, ring versus um uh Jew and the grudge uh the kind of the two kind of long dark haired girl ghosts uh, going against each other um so i kind of remembered uh, you know i remember watching the ring ringu back in on vhs tape way back in the late 90s when it came out or maybe 2000 or so and it had a it, you know it was a kind of serious horror movie but it was it was fucking scary and during the grudge the first few of the japanese ones I used to get um dvds um shipped over from hong kong uh some of the the j horror and the asian horrors uh so it's a shame really by this point in the franchise and it's been done done to death it's it's a very weak um uh, yeah it's not it's 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 basically how you know it's very contrived a way of trying to get um, these two kind of ghosts battling each other 
Um, it's no Freddy versus Jason or, or you know anything like that. Really, it's an okay sort of time waster, I kind of guess. But um, I thought I'd I, I thought I'd dip my toe back into the kind of into the ring, as it were. <laughs> but uh, it's um, yeah. In, in, any of you seen that one? I did see it a few years ago. I can't really remember much about it. I remember it, yeah, being a bit meh. But uh, I don't recall it being in any way awful. It's not either. awful. It's kind of quite well shot, and it's um, but it's it, it and it it basically rehashes the um uh, all the greatest hits of the both franchises with you know the ghost coming out the TV out of the well, which uh, I think just through its um. It's funny, isn't it? We talk about slash movies and something like the Friday Thirteenth movies, which I never tire watching, and that familiarity doesn't breed not contempt. But in this case, it just the the it's kind of lost its power to frighten just because it's uh, it's just been so been there, you know, done that so many times. Um, and I think there was there was um, Sadako three D one and two, which I was kind of curious about seeing three um, uh, D because. The uh, it, so as I mentioned, I'd set up the projector um, as to watch Friday Thirteenth Part Three in three D, and so um, the other ones watched was um, Vincent Price and House of Wax in three D the other day, which um, which is great, uh, which has got like ladies can canning uh, with sticking their legs out the screen. So uh, that was that was fun. So I've been on a bit of also on a bit of a Jalo kick. It's each Saturday night watching a, a Jalo. Um, on the projector so like with a sort of 12 foot long, wide screen on the wall so so we kind of watched uh black veil for lisa eye of the hurricane aka lusty lovers and um most recently watched uh, slaughter hotel which was put out by our friends at 88 films and i've forgotten that um it was the uncut version with the uh with the uh, gusset typing in it, so um, <laughs> close. The, you don't need to close the blinds anyway when you're watching a projected movie. Now, yes. Oh, I love Slaughter Hotel. That was one of our one of my favorite episodes when we covered that with Fatal Frames. Yes. So um, yeah, so I've been having having fun with fun with that. So, uh, but yeah, that's my all my recently seen. But um, Nathan, are you going to bring us back in and uh, wax lyrical about Serial Mom after the trailer? Yes, um, very lyrical. Okay, well, I'm glad to hear it. Okay, well, here is, uh, well, the TV spot uh, for Serial Mom. She's the perfect wife and mother. Who wants fruit salad? I do, please. But she has one little problem. What's wrong? I'm stood up. If anyone messes with her family, they're dead meat. Serial oh, oh. Mom. You'll never get a boyfriend. <laughs> Rated R. Exclusive engagement starts Wednesday, April 13th. Beverly Sutphin seems like the perfect happy homemaker. A loving dentist husband, Eugene, and their two healthy kids, Misty and Chip. The Sutphin family is as American as apple pie. The only problem is there seems to be a worm in this particular apple. Beverly lives her life the way she believes everyone should live theirs. It's those little rules of social etiquette and handy household cleaning tips that make all the difference. Flossing is good for strong, healthy teeth. Recycling is good for the environment. Being polite to your neighbor is good for the community. Not following these rules can be bad, very bad in Beverly's book. And like anyone who's a little upset, there are times Beverly just wants to kill someone. In fact, maybe she has, which is why the police are going through her garbage and the newspapers are calling her serial mom. Beverly's arrest comes as some surprise to Eugene and the kids. 
But the hilarious and unpredictable comedy that follows will come as no surprise to people who love wholesome family movies hard-boiled. That was the back of the VHS box for uh, Serial Mom on the HBO home video slash Savoy label. Okay, so um, I know that I could get some flack for for choosing Serial Mom, but I look at it kind of how we mentioned it, is that it, I see it as John Waters' take on the slasher movie. Um, and it does have some, you know, familiar slasher tropes. I mean, uh, we get to see Beverly like chasing Scotty with a uh, butcher knife. Um, that's, you know, very slasher esque, I would say. Um, I love Kathleen Turner in this movie. And I also love Mink Stoll as Dottie Hinkle. I uh, know that Joe and I always kind of laugh at her line of I'm a divorced woman. Please help me. It's just it's so ridiculous. And I love that that she that Beverly, when the cops show up at her house, she's like, officer, I am sorry, but we don't allow gum in this house. I mean, it just seems like the weirdest thing to ask someone to spit out gum when they come into your house. But, you know, she don't like it because of all that chomping and chewing. Ugh. Um, you know, Serial Mom is hilarious. It is so funny from start to finish. Um, I don't think there's any dull moments in it. And honestly, a lot of the people she kills, I mean, is it really a big loss? I mean, a lot of these people are just kind of blah anyway. But Nathan, um, they had friends and family. Well, they do. But I mean, just think about the teacher. He literally tells a woman, sorry, but some kids are not college material, referring to her son. I mean, he's just kind of a, a jerk. So I'm like, and then he was a jerk to Beverly, which is totally wrong. I love how petty a lot of Beverly's reasons are for killing people. And of course, her trolling Dottie Hinkle is one of the best parts of the movie. I love that Dottie always says, I can't say the words out loud. I don't use bad language. But she's obviously really good at cussing as well because she cusses her back like constantly. When she's trolling her in the um, courtroom scene, it is absolutely hilarious. But yeah, this is one of my favorites. I saw it uh, in the theater uh, when it first came out. Um, I was very excited. And of course, I loved it. And I still love it today. Uh, it's it's amazing. There is so much that we can talk about with this one. Um, I'm going to turn it over first to Eric. Mm. Yes, well, as you know, I've only seen this film once before, and that was back in the 90s. Um, I kind of watched it back-to-back-ish to a degree with Pecker, which was the uh, next film that John Waters did. And my recollection is that I I preferred Pecker. Now, I don't know how sacrilegious that is. Uh, we, is what we've heard, Eric. Oh, I knew you were going to take that out of context, you dirty little whore um, can you just uh, pause for one second because i just found this sound clip from last time just reminded me of your hole <sighs> it just reminded me of your hole yes yes just that's clever that's really clever like an eight-year-old honestly um yeah so i'm about to get even more sacrilegious i mean i really like serial mom but i don't think i i love it and worship it to the degree that i know you three guys do um I love the setup where, you know, as you say, Kathleen Turner's character just can't handle the tiniest little foibles of her neighbours. Um, and, you know, they become targets if they, you know, uh, don't rewind videotapes or they wear white after Labor Day. And uh, I like the absurdity of the fact that uh, for the first half of the movie, 
you know, she makes no attempt to cover her tracks, and yet nobody can work out that she's the killer. Um, where if you know everything is pointing towards her. Uh, as in terms of if it's a slasher movie, not for me. Uh, I can see like there are some moments in it, particularly where um the guy is killed at the urinal with the like it's a crowbar or something, and his his liver or kidney or some kind of internal organ is left dangling on the end of it. Uh, it kind of reminded me of that scene in Flesh for Frankenstein. Uh, that was really gruesome. I didn't remember there being much murderous mayhem in in the film, but uh, I was surprised by that one. Um, I also love the um, the peripheral characters. I love. I mean, this is a this is something it does have in common with regular slasher movies for me because a lot of them I find maybe peripheral characters to be more interesting than the main one. Now I do love Kathleen Turner in this film, but for me, the real stars are like Dottie Hinkle and um, Rosemary, and I can't remember the character's name, but the one who rents the video of Annie, and she's singing um, Tomorrow, top of her voice. I love her. Uh, so those characters are really great fun, I think, uh, and they are like they are pure, iconic, sort of John Waters-type characters. Um, so... <laughs> You know, I think when the the pro if I have a problem with the film, and it's only a tiny little problem because I do love the film, um, it's when it moves from the silliness of the first half to the more satirical feel of the second half, where serial mom is, you know, in the courtroom and all that. Uh, I find it maybe loses its momentum slightly for me. Only slightly, though, so it's a very tiny critique, just the way it kind of shifts gears from the, you know, running around and killing her neighbours to being in the courtroom. Uh, It just, that shift, maybe, it just slows the film down slightly for me. But uh, I still think it's a a great movie, very funny. Uh, And, uh, yeah, so, as I said, this is only the second time I've watched it from start to finish. I have seen clips of it here and there, obviously, over the years, but... um, (laughs) I'm, as I said, not sure I share the obsession. I share the love, but not the obsession for the film, if that makes any sense. I mean, I don't have the, the it doesn't have the possibly a Michigan effect on me, but uh, I do still like it. Yeah. No, I love me some possibly in Michigan. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, thumbs up for me. Uh, very funny. Uh, surprised at some of the gore in the film and the, well, there isn't that much gore to be honest, but surprised that there was so many murders, I suppose. So it does kind of qualify as a slasher movie. Uh, and as with most John Waters films, it's just a hoot, really. Uh, and great fun to watch. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Okay, Joseph, what do you think about Serial Mom? Yeah, first of all, I would just love to... Uh commend uh mink stole as dotty hinkle i mean her entire purpose seems to be just sitting by the phone waiting for it to ring and she looks all worried and the thing i I noticed with serial mom this time around was like the little stuff like that um you know i love the scene with uh marvin pickles in the uh the the stall near the end of the film and he and he's got that graffito tagging it's like i sniff jurors underpants and it's just I love that. Yeah, it's just little silly things like that I noticed and that and that guy that goes into the bathroom uh with the shish kebab and he lets out the howie scream. I mean, the the scream itself is funny because it's so overused in films, but why who who goes into a bathroom with food? In a public bathroom at that. I mean, it's 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 kind of typical John Waters stuff, but for me, I I I I tend to prefer the more mainstream John Waters stuff like this. Um, I kind of like how he takes that sort of mainstream appeal and he turns it up a few notches to this kind of 
this sort of borderline, almost annoying, but it's kind of like lunacy. It's hard to explain, but, you know, whereas his earlier output was kind of just meant to shock and offend. Um, but, um, you know, as I was saying, I love that scene in the flea market with that guy walking in the bathroom. Um, I, I laughed myself silly at that. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the scenes with Dottie Hinkle, I mean, Mink Stoll is probably, you know, pound for pound. She matches, uh, uh, God, what's her name? Um, Kathleen Turner. Yeah, Kathleen Turner. I think she matches Kathleen Turner, especially when they're going, you know, mano a mano over the phone. Um, you know, like I said, I love how she she sits by the phone looking worried, but when she's kind of like off, to, like when the camera kind of focuses on her by herself, she's got this kind of I'm better than you attitude. It's just, she's such a great character. Um, and then you get Beverly killing just for the slightest of slights. Um, that scene where they're eating the chicken and it keeps showing close ups of them gnawing on the bones. It is so disgusting. So I'm thinking maybe they deserved it. Uh, but yeah, serial mom, I, I, I really, really like it. I think it, it deconstructs the slasher film in a different manner, you know, two years uh, previously to scream, uh, you know, rather than, you know, poking fun at the cliches, it kind of exaggerates the cliches for this comedic effect. And it kind of makes all these statements about petty suburban annoyances. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, it's uh, it, it kind of hinges on satire and just outright lunacy. It kind of walks that fine line for me. So, yeah, uh, a big thumbs up through and through for me. Um, now, I've never seen Pecker, uh, Eric, um, but you, you say you preferred that one, huh? Well, at the time I did. I don't know. Like, I need to watch it again. This is like twenty, oh, tw- more than twenty years ago. So was um. Uh, but I, I remember really enjoying Pecker. Yeah. Was was yeah. Pecker was, was was Pecker long? <laughs> it was ninety minutes, ninety yeah. inches. <laughs> yeah, that's my thoughts. Um, Justin, what do you feel about Serial Mom? Uh, yeah. Well, I I adore Serial Mom. I saw it at the cinema. Um back in 94 uh whenever it came out in uk i presume it was 94 maybe it was only 95 um and i've loved it ever since it's a film that i can it's you know it's just one of those kind of films that i could watch on a loop without and we're never getting bored of it um it's uh yeah it still kind of makes me laugh i, I think it works in, incredibly well i mean i've always been a fan of john waters movies um i find uh outside of um uh, female trouble um i find some of his earlier movies um like pink flamingos and uh multiple maniacs and even desperate living possibly slightly not hard more more difficult to enjoy these days perhaps um a bit, but i appreciate that kind of anarchic spirit but um um rewatched uh, polyester and uh, not that long ago, um, we had the box set with the, the scratch and sniff card, which was very old, must be 20 years old now. So it's the smells of um, potpourri, every single thing you scratch, but still, you know, adds to the illusion. Uh, so I, I kind of appreciate what he, he does and subverts the uh, the kind of mainstream movies, um, um, but uh, uh, maintains a kind of mainstream um, uh, sort of a, appeal to sort of a generalized uh, or general audience. Um, I, Kathleen Turner is, is uh, incredible in this. I, it's uh, it's amazing what he did. And I did read um, some stuff at the time when it came out, and they were talking about uh, how he would have, um, you know, the, what Divine would have done with the role of Beverly Sutphin. Because I think originally, 
if she was still alive, you know, if um, Glenn Mills said Divine was still alive, then he, it would have been the kind of the role that that um, Divine would have played. So it'd been interesting to see how he would have uh, how that would have worked in in this movie. Um, but I think she's it's difficult to imagine actually anyone else doing this. I mean, she's so so good. Um, I, it's it's funny because it's a, a film about serial murder, but it, it's it feels so kind of upbeat in a lot of ways. Um, it's kind of it feels quite chirpy um, for a um, you know a film about uh, a murder. The characters all fun. Um, you know, death scenes are grisly. It kind of pokes fun at um, uh, you know some kind of holy holy elements of American society that John Waters you know as he does best. So uh, yeah, I, I love it all the way through. I don't think I don't think it's it, I you know I love the court scenes, um, courtroom scenes. I like you know all of it really. I don't think there's a bad patch throughout the movie. So um, uh, yeah, I love watching this with friends and introducing people to it because they always get a kick out of it. So uh, I think it's aged well as well. It's not. It doesn't feel too. I mean, it feels dated because it's. Um, you know, for sort of sixteen years old. Because one woman says, "I love Bill Cosby," that kind of dated. Yes, but it's funny that when I, <laughs> I saw I saw the um, uh, John Waters was um, introducing this at the British Film Institute in two thousand and fifteen, and he was sort of saying about how you know he even managed to get in a Bill Cosby because presumably people in the know kind of knew Bill Cosby perhaps wasn't the nicest person or you know was um, his public image was very different to how he was in private life, and I think that was a maybe John Waters was saying that he was having a dig at Bill Cosby in this. Um, possibly, I don't know, but yeah, no, I, I love this movie. I think it's um, uh, probably with this. I would say uh, the only one I don't like of his movies particularly, and I, I was really disappointed when I watched it was A Dirty Shame. I kind of liked Dirty Shame when I saw it. I'd, I'd have to rewatch it again, but yeah, I just found it. I found it fell flat. It felt sort of forced. It felt more like he kind of lost his kind of lighter touch with stuff. And I, I mean, I know it's not. There's not really a light touch with John Waters stuff. It's very broad. But it felt um, a dirty shame. For, it kind of felt like it was he was parodying himself in some ways. If that makes sense. But it has a family of bears in it. Well, I thought yes, you might appreciate that. But uh, but yeah, I had high hopes for that. And also, you know, has the the, the scene was it with. Um, uh, uh, David Hasselhoff doing a poo in an airplane that lands freezing and landing on Tracy Ullman's head. Oh, yes. How can you not like a film with that scene in it? Come on. I've Justin. never seen this film. Now I think I might want to. <laughs> that, that was that was perfect. But I just felt the rest of it felt like it was almost like they, the people in it were kind of thinking we're in a John Waters movie, so we have to be extra John Waters-y. Um, and I think I, I haven't seen Cecil B. Demented um, for a long time either, and I don't remember that being up there. But Serial Mom for me, Serial Mom and Polyester and Hairspray and to a, a lesser degree Crybaby are kind of films that I could watch, um, you know, on repeat. So Is Serial uh, Mom his last great movie? Oh, <laughs> oh. I hate, I hate Crybaby. I, I can't stand that. Oh, thing. I love that movie. Oh, it gives me cold chills. I hate it for so all much. you guys. Then, just mm. out of curiosity, what is your favorite John Waters movie? If you can only pick one, Serial Mom. Okay, mine oh. would probably be Serial Mom as well. I would say for re- uh, repeat watching, um, I would probably say Serial Mom for the, the his later films. They, um, I think from his earlier films, I'm polyester was kind of bridged the gap between um, the kind of uh, um, female trouble and those kind of earlier more anarchic films. Uh, polyester is a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy enjoy that. Um, but uh, I was it'd be probably a toss up between polyester and serial mom for me. 
yeah, for me, Serial Mom, possibly, although I do, I haven't watched it in a while now, but I do do recall loving Female Trouble. Uh, that trailer used to be on a lot of Palace picture VHSs back in the day. I know it was on before Evil Dead and, and a few other films I rented, so it has kind of a nostalgic place in my heart, even though I didn't actually see the, the full film until many years later, but the trailer brings back fond memories. Do you, um, Eric, do you like polyester peckers? <laughs> I kind of, yes. I kind of get the impression that, um, that Dawn Davenport is your kind of spirit animal sometimes, Eric. Well, Dawn Davenport's a bit Inga, isn't she? Well, exactly, she is. Yeah, because she's when she doesn't get char char heels for Christmas. I know that was totally me. Exactly. That was a great scene, the cha cha heels. But I always love the scene where she's hanging out with her two friends in the in the school restroom and they're smoking, and she says out of nowhere, she just goes, "You know what? I hope I get arrested." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so no well it, I'm, as far as it being a slasher movie um, and again this is arguable but I think it's as closest John Waters ever got to making a slasher movie but I would say yeah. that's probably more um, reading up about the uh, what the ideas he came up with it was more about the um, even back then the emergence of the uh, obsession with true crime um, uh, that uh, it was having a resurgence at that point because apparently this film came out around the same time as Natural Born Killers the Oliver Stone yeah. movie, so um, so there was definitely at that point there was this kind of the, and so he was his his parody really of uh, probably you know people like Rivero Geraldo Rivero and um, um, all those kind of shows that were doing all the kind of the true crimey type stuff um, and sensationalized uh, sort of America's Most Wanted that type of thing. So, but uh, it kind of works as a parody as well. But it's it, like I say it's it's it, it it's so for for the subject matter it's so upbeat and cheerful as well, which I think is. Um, uh, delightfully perverse in its own way. So uh, yeah, it's. Um, but as as whether it's a slash movie, it's it sure as hell fits. You know, if if we want to make it fit, then why not? It's our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting that Matthew Lillard is playing a character again who's obsessed with horror films. Yeah, um, well, I know he's not, he's not obsessed with horror films in Scream, but um, uh, the, uh, the the film sort of has that same kind of uh you know most of the characters are into them i i loved looking at his uh, bedroom wall and spotting all the posters on it um kind of like violet's bedroom in in friday the 13th a new beginning i kind of like how they deconstruct some of the horror cliches through his character um and i love that video store he works at by the way oh my god it looks amazing Mm, it does isn't it i love um ricky lake's line of oh my god the blood was brown not red like in horror movies (laughs) yeah yeah um, I was going to mention the uh, the the Scotty masturbation scene. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> he's watching just some woman standing there, and he's like, ah, ah. Not like just some woman. It's Chesty Morgan. Well, yeah, I mean, she's but she's not really doing anything, but she's just standing yeah, there, and he's just like. <laughs> but this was pre-internet, so you had to make do. Yeah, yeah. Scotty, uh, I just he was like a huge perv. Yeah, he deserved to get you know caught and possibly you know I don't know about killed, but he deserved to get caught because you was, know my uh, thing though is I don't think that Beverly would have went after him necessarily if he hadn't have seen her kill um, Mrs. Jensen. Yeah, hmm. yeah, but he doesn't wear a seatbelt either. I know. I love though when she's like, "Buckle up, Scotty." 
<laughs> it sets them on fire. And then, of course, uh, the, the people there are ridiculous because they just like um, are cheering at this guy dying. And then there's um, L7, uh, the lead singer, like drinks some uh, vodka or alcohol or whatever and, and spits it on him. Well, they think it's part of the show. Even the band, though, thinks it's part of the show. <laughs> True. Yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> So, well, yes, a serial mom. Do we want to sort of, um, do we have any backgrounds on the movie? I've got a little background. Okay. Well, Nathan, do you want to take it away? I listened to the commentary that John Waters did, and he was talking about one of his favorite scenes was basically having Mink Stoll and Kathleen Turner over to his house and just letting them cuss at each other like a free for all. Um, I, I imagine he just wrote down some of his favorite bits to incorporate in the movie, but I think that would have been hilarious. I'd love to have just seen them cussing each other, um, even more. <laughs> uh, the video store is, uh, John Waters actual local video store was at the time. Anyway, the copyright holders of the song tomorrow charge $60,000 for the use of that song. I was like, man, you know. Um, Julie Andrews was considered for the role of Beverly Sutphin. That would have been interesting. From the sound of music to serial mom. Hmm. The, um, the movie that Scotty's watching with Chesty Morgan is called deadly weapons. Um, I've never seen it. Have you guys seen any of Chesty Morgan's movies? No, I'm not really the target audience. I was never, never really into that whole kind of car wash, you know, show naked ladies flapping their boobies around. So I don't, I don't really know much about her. Here's the description for the movie that Scotty is basically jerking off to. After the mob hits a guy with a list, one of the hoods keeps the list for himself to blackmail the people on it. When the mobsters find out he's a double crosser, they often, which angers his busty girlfriend. She goes after them using the only two weapons she has. <laughs> what two weapons? Nunchucks and a gun. Oh, it must be. <laughs> it can't be her ginormous boobs. <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, so um, that is my uh, toughness of uh, background. I don't know if I used that word correctly, but let's just assume I did. Mm. Um, Joseph, do you have any background? Only that the uh, the scream that you hear in the uh, the bathroom when the guy discovers uh, Carl dead. Uh, I, I, I'm not really sure where that scream's, uh, you know, originated, but they call it the Howie scream because uh, – in the film Broken Arrow, uh, Howie Long gets kicked out of a moving train and they use that sound effect and somehow it just stuck on. So it's called the Howie scream. And I think one of the earliest uh, instances of it being used was in the 19, uh, it was in use as early as, you know, you know, late seventies or early eighties. But that's, that's all the background I really had time to dig up for uh, this week. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, No worries. Uh, Eric. Okay, well, the film uh, opened on April 13th, 1994. Now, it only debuted at number 11 in the uh, U.S. box office uh, chart, but that's only because it uh, was only showing in 502 theatres. Its actual per-theatre average would have lifted it into second spot behind the incredibly ghastly Four Weddings and a Funeral, one of my least favourite films, Evs. Um, it made $7.8 million domestically. That's like five of the same thing. Sorry? That's like five of the same thing. Four weddings what? and a funeral. I don't get it. Five, four weddings and a funeral, five of the same thing. It, it, they're all equal. The four weddings, you know, a funeral is equal to a wedding. It's, it's what I'm getting at. It's a Married with Children reference, Eric. Oh, okay. I didn't watch Married with Children. Sorry. Nathan would get it. Come on, Nathan. Oh, well, I did, but um, 
I'm a little slow, so <laughs> pardon me. Carry on, Eric. Okay, it made 7.8 million domestically, but its budget was 13 million, so it was deemed as kind of a flop. Um, now, I can't get my internet to work here because my computer is, is not cooperating with me today, but the actor who plays uh, Scotty, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have his name written down. but Justin plays, Wallen? Yeah, that's him. He played Andy Barkley in Child's Play 3 uh, a few few years before this. Um, okay, so I was mentioning some of the posters on Chip's bedroom wall. The ones I spotted, there were effects shots from Hellraiser, Evil Dead, and I think Pumpkinhead I spotted there as well. And he had posters for 2000 Maniacs, and he's also watching um, Herschel Gordon-Lewis's Blood Feast as well on VHS in his room with his friends. Oh, one of the things I forgot to say about as I love how 90s some of the stuff looks, uh, particularly um, Chip's girlfriend when she arrives first. She reminds me of uh, Lisa Simpson when she went off to the beach and, and changed her image. Uh, and, you know, oversized man's shirt and back to front baseball cap, you know, real 80, real 90s fashions. I love that. Um, do I have Oh, Will Wheaton apparently auditioned for the part of Chip, which uh, ultimately, of course, went to Matthew Lillard. And, Will Wheaton. Uh, hmm? Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. <laughs> Is that a Family Guy reference? Yes. yes. Sorry. <laughs> You're full of the references today, Joseph. Um, and the voice of Ted Bundy on the tape found under Beverly's bed is none other than John Waters himself. So uh, that's kind of all I have here. Justin, over to you. Oh, uh, one more thing. Uh, John Waters was on an episode of The Simpsons at one point. He was. He played yeah. a gay man who... Is a toy shop owner. Or he, yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, a few bits. Um, uh, as you say, it was a bit of a, a bit of a flop, I think, when it came out. Partly, apparently, uh, John Waters said he was surprised that um, the uh, the people who made it or put the money up kind of more or less just said yes to it without really scrutinising it, which seems very strange. I think originally Columbia Pictures were were interested, but it would put out by I think it's the Independence Savoy pictures or um and apparently when they actually saw the movie um they were like horrified and said well we didn't realize that you were gonna have kathleen turner or you know sort of setting fire to someone in the movie and so they started they put out on test screenings uh and they released it um to test screening in los angeles and apparently everyone loved it and they decided to put it out on a test screening because they wanted him to change the movie. I mean, this is what he said. I think this is what he said in the a couple of interviews I, I read with him. And he said that um, uh, they put it out for test screening in a really conservative part of L.A. or outside L.A. with an audience that um, they said weren't his target audience to see how it would play with a, a wider audience. Um, and apparently that that went down quite well as well. So they ended up putting out the movie. So he said that generally he's never had a problem before. He says the problem is getting the money to make the movies. But once he has a green light, he usually can make the kind of movie movies he wants to um, make. Um, apparently he said his, his 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 mom said it was his best movie, and he was very proud that he used to play on cable on Mother's Day um, every year for years. Um, the uh, he said that say it was kind of based because John Waters was um, famously used to go to trials um, uh, like he went to the the Patty Hearst trial uh, and of course he had Patty Hearst as in the movie uh, wearing the infamously wearing the white shoes after Labor Day uh, and he got he was fr- um, pen fr- friends with um, uh, one of the Manson girls as well so he was kind of an early adopter to the whole true crime phenomenon which of course we've seen played out massively. Now 
now with podcasts and everything. Uh, so he sort of said that it was going to be, he'd never seen a parody of that that kind of uh, North American uh, obsession with true crime from, I think it was, was it Hard, hard Boiled or whatever? They, they kind of... Um, the um the, the kind of news shows that did like uh, very salacious uh recreations of um of crimes and sort of almost celebrated serial killers so uh a couple of things he said that um suzanne summers who of course turns up at the end of the movie um uh, is going to be playing the the serial mom in the the the, t- the movie version uh apparently she um she gave everyone set five masters as a gift that's lovely Yes. <laughs> um, he also said that he told Fangoria in an interview I saw with him, he said that the scene in the courtroom was inspired by a true story. He said that um, when Madonna and Willem Dafoe were researching um, for the movie Body of Evidence, uh, they went to, <laughs> to, to a courtroom. Saucy. And um, apparently the judge, judge stopped the proceedings midway and turned to her and said, I love your movies, which sounds quite unlikely because, as we all know, Madonna's movies are mostly dreadful. But... Um, uh what else was there um he uh apparently um he said obviously with kathleen turner but he she read the script and was horrified by it originally to start off with she said she couldn't you know understand it, and she said but she couldn't really put it down and um she met with uh john waters because i saw an interview with her talking about it and she's someone saying about did john waters want you to eat dog poo um mm-hmm. and she said no but she said we we talked everything through before we did the movie because um i didn't you know I'd, and he said he wanted kathleen turner because she'd done stuff obviously with ken russell so she wasn't afraid to um uh, get her hands dirty or do things that are a little bit different for for things apparently she put on she gained um a, a bit of weight anyway to play uh beverly sutphin which she kind of lost quite quickly uh kind of afterwards um uh john walter said that he says i think audience loves seeing kathleen turner evil and she likes being evil in in comedies um uh ricky lake um said that uh she wanted to play she's quite flirtatious in real life so she's playing up in in this and obviously she'd, she'd been in hairspray and i think when this came out she was already she'd got her own talk show um but she said she had a big crush on Sam Waterson, uh, and um, a kind of um, and let him know, even though he was much older than her. Uh, um, and also, strangely, Ricky says that um, it's in the unauthorized biography of Ricky Lake, which I found online. It says that um, uh, Ricky played the part as though Misty had a secret crush on her father. I like to think my character Misty has some sort of incestuous quality about her. Ricky Lake said. Um, the uh some quick let's see if there's any um uh oh yes well apparently ricky lake said that she was confessed that she was apprehensive when she first heard that kathleen turner was going to be appearing as your mom um because uh she had um it, uh, she's quoted saying i've heard horror stories about kathleen uh, but then went on to say, but she was exactly the opposite, absolute professional. I've never seen anybody so focused. She wants it bad. She's really hungry for a hit and she worked her butt off. Um, and uh, the last couple of bits I've got here was one was that there was a um, there was a kind of a premiere in New York um, at a private uh, screening room, which sounded like quite the event because it says um and this is again in the from the Ricky Lake uh, Arnold Forest biography. It says that punk rocker Iggy Pop was seen holding court with independent filmmaker Jim Jarmusch. Johnny Depp attended the party with his girlfriend, model Kate Moss. Fred Schneider of the B-52s was glimpsed collecting autographs from Ricky, Willem Dafoe, and Sam Waterson. 
um, and timing her entrance like a classic movie star, Kathleen Turner arrived fashionably late to an enthusiastic round of applause. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's that's the thing. The the other um, uh, just a, well, a couple of other quick bits was that um, it was shot in the kind of in the kind of the kind of posher area of Baltimore, which I think is kind of where um, in the same area where John Waters grew up. And he said that uh, he said that um, the people of his parents' age still hated him there, but apparently he said most of the people living there now were of his age. Uh, he said, and he's quoted as saying, uh, "My age group lives in those houses now." Um, he says his age group is also running Hollywood, and producers no longer sit in shock when he shows them his old films. They they all saw them in college, which may explain possibly why he um, uh, you know he was able to get quite a, f- a few of these films um, greenlit. Uh, and lastly, just a couple of um, the, the reviews of the film were generally pretty good. Um, I got a couple of just very short um, uh, quotes from some of the reviews. Uh, Barbara Vancheri in Pittsburgh Post-Gazette said, it's uh, wicked. Sure, some of the stuff is pretty sick, but it's still awfully funny. A bloody good time. Uh, Peter Rainer in Los Angeles Times said, mainstream John Waters is weirder than underground John Waters. His latest is one of his best. Um, uh, Rita Kempsey in the Washington Post says it's a one-joke comedy. The going is too risically gory to really be funny. Um, uh, Dave Keir in New York Daily News said John Waters' movies are hit or miss affairs in which brilliant gags re- um, relieve long periods of fruitless divering. Serial Mom is no exception. Uh, and the last one is um, a Philadelphia Inquiry. Carrie Rickey says, although it has a couple of laugh-out-loud sequences, before too long, Serial Mom becomes petty and irritating. So a bit of a mixed bag there. Um, but I think it's if you like John Waters, then the movie possibly plays better and possibly the arguably didn't find uh, the kind of mainstream appeal uh, that it did, um, say, Hairspray did. Although the other thing I thought was interesting was John Waters said about, obviously, Divine, talking about if Divine had actually played Beverly Sutphin. But he said that even with Hairspray, which was the most mainstream of movies and also the big, you know, now it's gone on to this massive afterlife and, you know, on on Broadway and everything. But he said that um, there was so much kind of um, uh, prejudice against uh, kind of cross-dressing or kind of, um, you know, drag queens or whatever you you could term uh, divine as. He said that um, hairspray, they, the airlines wouldn't play hairspray because they they couldn't, um, uh, they they wouldn't have a film with a man playing a woman. Would they not play Tootsie? Well, that's a good point, actually. He was saying that like films like Mrs. Doubtfire, which had come out um, around that time, in about 93 or something, <coughs> he was sort of saying how times had changed. Um, but he said that it was, um, he, he said that they, they were very nervous about, um, uh, you know, uh, sort of doing things. He said, like with Polyester, um, which had Tab Hunter on there, he said that they, uh, at, um, the TV stations refused to screen the, the TV spot if they showed with the, the version that showed Divine and Tab Hunter sitting on a bed together. So very different sort of times, but it kind of does. I do sort of daydream about what a kind of divine style, you know, as Betty Sutphin would have been. I think it would have been a very, not a very different movie, but it would have been um, a probably slightly. I think Kathleen Turner is a kind of, you know, divine was a, a good actor, actress, but um, Kathleen Turner has a kind of a, a self-contained, demented quality, which I think really works in this, uh, that she doesn't go completely over the top. She doesn't, I was talking with Stuart about this and saying about how uh, Beverly Sutphin, was she kind of like a proto-Karen, you know, in like modern culture of these kind of middle-aged women <laughs> behaving badly? Yeah, she um, she's like, she can play apple pie, but she can also play 
you know, apple pie with a worm in it. So she's always had that edge to her that, that yeah. kind of underpins her performances. Yeah, I mean, she could have gone, you know, she could have gone completely over the top in this, couldn't she? And been sort of, um, but she plays this character that has this kind of weird duality of being self-contained and very prim as a kind of like a waspish, you know, sort of upper middle class, um, you know, mother, um, but also the kind of uh, having this kind of secret life with her reading, um, you know, being pen pals with uh very serial killers and things like that. And, but she doesn't go, she doesn't go into this complete raving lunacy um, that would have been quite tempting, I imagine for some actresses to do. So that's why, uh, you know, it, it kind of works really well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's all the background I have on serial mom. So, awesome. so, uh, well, do what was the kind of consensus, uh, Joseph on the, the group? Was it, was it something that uh, people were fans of? Well, out of 84 votes, uh, 91% of our listeners enjoyed Serial Mom. Uh, 6% were neutral and 3% did not enjoy the film. So those are pretty good numbers. Um, Our listener of the week is Mikey Faulkner, and he writes, I was obsessed with this as a nine-year-old. It's surprising that the only cereal I know anything about is Rice Krispies. Ah, You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and just about anywhere you catch your pods. We're also on Patreon, so please consider supporting the show for as little as a dollar a month. And our email address is info at thehysteriacontinues.net. You can also use feedback, but no one really uses that. So it's info at thehysteriacontinues.net. Cool. Yes, fantastic. So, um, and um, Eric, do you are you going to make us laugh like John Waters? I am going to make you laugh. Okay. It's my joke of the week. It's so, so what do you call a woman whose idea of parenting is to run around the house waving a spatula going wibble, wibble, wibble? Surreal, Mom. Surreal. Mom. Oh. Oh. Oh, God. Joseph sounds like demon on the toilet. In, in, oh. <laughs> Speaking of which, that reminds me, yesterday I was playing the Friday the 13th game and somebody's name on there was Damn Enchiladas. <laughs> cool. <sighs> Thank you, Eric. Um, well, You're more than welcome. Yes. Well, <clears throat> as ever, we, you know, in pursuit of a laugh. So um, you keep going. You'll get there one day. And now a word from our friends. We're the Remedial Film Class Podcast. With Travis. And George. And I'm Dan. And George hasn't seen any movies. I haven't seen any movies. But we're here to fix that. You know that feeling you get when you show your favorite movie to somebody who's never seen it before? Or even better, that feeling you get when someone else shows you their favorite movie and you get to talk about it? We show George movies he's never seen. We talk about them in depth. We give context, analysis, and other insights to join the Remedial Film Class Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere you get podcasts. And take me to school. Everybody dies. Horrible horror reviews for a horrible horror world. My name is fucking Dave, the new face of horror movie reviews. Check out Facebook.com slash Everybody Dies Horribly for more info. Hey, I'm gonna fuck you, man! What's wrong with you? Look at you, you got a boner! Right. 
Okay, do we do we have some feedback, don't we? I have uh, some feedback here. Does anyone else have any? I do. Okay, Eric, do you want to do yours? Yes. Okay, ours from it's from Rob Balducci again, and he says, "Hi guys, I was excited to see you covering Never Hike Alone and Never Hike in the Snow on your podcast. I've been a lifelong Friday the Thirteenth fan and had never checked out any of the fan films before, so it was a good excuse to finally watch them." I recently joined your Patreon, so it was nice to be able to hear them on Friday the 13th and not have to wait until the 15th. Plus, it was my birthday, so that was an added treat. Oh, his birthday was Friday the 13th, just like Jason. Today is his birthday. Um, His is the 13th of June, though. Um... I thought the films were an absolute blast and my only issue with them was that they were too short. The attention to detail the filmmakers used to recreate the camp from the first Friday the 13th film was my favourite thing about them and I agree that the markers identifying where the bodies were found was a nice touch. I have been slowly making my way through your old episodes while also listening to the new ones when they come out and would love to see you guys bring back the top threes. I understand there are probably only so many topics you can do, but there were all they but they were always enjoyable, especially when a certain talented pussy would appear when you pinched out your big number twos. Mm-hmm. Insert sound of Harold from Friday the 13th part 3 plopping here. Well, if you insist, if I can get my computer to work. Yes. <laughs> lastly, lastly, now Nathan, you might have be able to respond to this one. Lastly, I was shocked going through your episode list that it doesn't look like you have covered 1982's The Forest yet. I know the film has its detractors, especially regarding the supernatural elements, but I think it is a blast and would love to hear you guys cover it. Thanks again for your great podcast, Rob Balducci. Well, Rob, I think The Forest was on the menu at one stage from Nathan, but then you changed your mind and picked something else. Well, it's still there. Like, I still want to to choose it. I just um, haven't quite yet. I think you were about to choose it, but then you switched to something else maybe, you know, a while back. Uh, But no, it is on the horizon at some stage. Yeah. Because it's very much a Nathan film. Let's well, just just to answer his question about the top threes, we are doing those on Patreon, yeah. but I wonder if he means like other kind of topics. Because yeah, we're doing honestly, top by we year. just we just ran out of topics. Yeah. Honestly, we're like doing top three favorite saucepans spotted in the background of a slasher movie. It was getting to that kind of ridiculousness. So yes, we might revisit some of the top threes and see if I, you know, it might be fun to go back and see if any of our choices have changed. But. Uh, but yes, well, thank you, Rob. Uh, always good to hear from you. So uh, I, I presume it's just my one I've got here. So I'll read this one out. It's uh, greetings and salutations, uh, exalted podfathers. I pray this email finds you all safe, secure and well away from any battery acid showers. I just got through listening to your commentary track for Who Done It. I'd never seen this one before, so I watched it uh, without you all first, then immediately followed up by listening to your comments. Great fun. Uh, which, of course, is the, uh, the whodunit, is a.k.a. Island of Blood, which has just come out on Vinegar Syndrome with our commentary. Um, the acting, writing, and camera work are, well, not exactly Academy Award material, but I thought the premise of the film was rather clever, and I totally enjoyed listening to you all chat about the film. Something that had me laughing out loud, all the talk about macrame. At first, I couldn't for the life of me figure out what you were saying, (laughs) Justin. But then it suddenly hit me. Oh, macrame. Um, Here in the US, we put the accent on the first syllable, uh, similarly to how we say weekend differently. I wonder if Nathan Joseph just didn't recognize what word you were saying. Sorry, I'm a dyslexia specialist for my day job, so I'm a total word nerd. Anyway, it just cracked me up. Um, 
So how do you say macrame? Macrame. Macrame, yeah. How would you say it, Eric? No, I'd say macrame as well. I think it's it's that sort of European-US divide again. Like, I used to always notice on uh, America's Top Ten that Casey Kasem used to always say, Spandau Ballet. And we'd say Spandau Ballet. It's just that there's a lot of um, emphasis on different syllables depending on where in the world you are. I can't think of a single I can't think of a single instance in my entire life where I've ever had to use the word macrame. So I don't know how I would say it. I think that, I think that that commentary track was the first time I've ever used the word macrame out loud. Well, yes, and if that's not a uh, an advert for you to rush out and buy Island of Blood um, for our commentary with our fascinating discussion about macrame. We had another fascinating discussion about seagulling on the Nailgun Massacre commentary track as well <laughs> yes by hh films but um yes that was uh yeah that was uh, another highlight a different art type of art though different art form altogether <laughs> but um and this it just finishes off by saying just wanted to let you all know how much i enjoyed the commentary i always look forward to listening to you gents discuss these films keep up the great work and that's from your fan jay bullington producer and co-host have you of have you seen this one aka histo mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, of course it is, because him and Rob are the only two that write in. <laughs> well, it's always good to hear from yeah, from what both. About Simon Logan. Oh, we haven't heard from old Simon in a while. What happened, Mr. Logan? Yeah, right back in, Mr. Logan. And anyone else who wants to uh, get in contact, uh, obviously we do enjoy hearing from you. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, was anything left to say? I'm trying to think. Um, well, we're recording, say, we're recording our top three 1973 later today and also our Algonquin uh, inaugural quiz. So, yeah, But you gonna... know our next main show pick is yours, Justin. Yes, I know. And I have actually been thinking um, uh, what that uh, might be. Uh, so I have I moved to this one before, but because I've um, I was doing some back uh, looking up some background on this one, and I've got some interesting background. It's a film that I know uh, it possibly doesn't have its fans amongst certain members of the podcast, but we're talking about going back to the uh, the early nineteen eighties and nineteen eighty two. But it's not Deadly Games or The Forest. It's Too Scared to Scream. <gasps> Joseph was gonna pick that one. Yes, I, I I had a rewatch recently, so I'm 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 excited now. Okay, because I seem to remember you didn't like it. I once I was bored with it the first time I saw it, but um, I rewatched it, and I have a lot to say about that movie. So awesome pick! Excellent. Okay, well that's the that's coming up next because it's got quite an interesting back because it didn't come out until 1985, and there's yeah. I was going to ask you, wasn't that 1985? But it was made was it in eighty. Film? It was made in eighty two, but it came out in okay. eighty five. So, um, but uh, yeah, some interesting background about why why that was, uh, and also of course it's got Anne Archer's amazing dance sequence uh, while she's oh, jogging in it. God, I love that scene so much. <laughs> so uh, yeah, she'll have some fun with that one. So yeah, so that's coming up next on the history continues. Um, uh, anything left to say? Well, what are we playing out with, Nathan? Uh, I want to play out with Gas Chamber by Camel Lips, a.k.a. L7. Good choice. Cool. Thank you for listening to Hysteria Continues, and stay away from those pussy willows. Um, Are those uh, pussy willows? (laughs) Indeed they are. So, uh, right, well, thank you for listening, uh, as ever, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Hysteria Continues. So say goodbye to the good people. Bye. I'm off to do a big brown word. Bye. Ooh, Franklin Mint. Honey, please.
from my bedroom shelf. Well, actually, so I, f- I forgot to mention, I'd, I've li- there's a really good podcast on Tracy Lords, which I've been listening, which is, I can't remember what it's called now. But <gasps> I love Tracy Lords. God, I love it. <laughs> Tracy got over her boyfriend's death so quickly. She did. I can't believe we didn't mention that during the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the, the podcast was, but there's a really good podcast about Tracy Lords and about all the controversy that happened with her and uh, whether or not she orchestrated it and, uh, you know, um, so, uh, yeah, um, but you find it if you look for it. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, goodbye. Goodbye.